start a brand new series today that we'll continue in the next couple weeks, and we'll just kind of just get started today, and uh, it's called I'm In. I'm In. And uh, I, I want to talk about the early church and the believers that were in that early church, and really what cons- consisted of a believer being all in. Did you know that, that, that the image that you have in your mind of the church, most likely, if statistics prove correct, is not the biblical form of the church? What we think the church should be or what we think the church should accomplish is usually set by our own set of preferences. So we have our own set of preferences that now we put on what we believe the church should be. And I want us just to pull back to the book of Acts and we're going to Acts chapter 2 and we're going to look at what is the biblical model of the early church. What is it consistent? What did it mean to be all in? So I want you to turn in your Bibles to Acts Acts chapter 2, all the Pentecostals got excited, all the non-Pentecostals got nervous, but we're going to the end of the chapter, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, while I've been away, I have not been able to get away from this word, they devoted themselves. They gave themselves. The definition of this word is they gave themselves entirely to. They became attentive. They put themselves in consistent patterns so as to continue what they were doing. They were devoted. Now, this is what they were devoted to. To the apostles' teaching and also to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day. Now, this is key. Every day, not every Sunday, every day. I know, I know in America we believe like Christians are like really, really good on Sundays and we get together on the, the Old Testament or the New Testament believers, the early church believers, it was every day. This, this, this is something they, they were all in. This is something that they lived. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Now listen to this. They did all of that, and listen what the Lord did. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to know this. The heart of God is that people that do not know him find him. The people that are far from God come close to God. The people that don't know God are introduced to God. And the mission of our church continues to be what it's always been, that this is not the goal. The goal is for people that do not know him, that they would know him. And God's called us to be those change agents. God's called us to carry that message out to these people. The, the early church was growing rapidly. It was incredible in the book of Acts. The, the, the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved, not just from other churches. He was adding to the number people that were being saved. I'm all for people coming to, from different churches, and a lot of you in this room, you've been in different churches in different seasons, but I'm going to tell you the way we grow the kingdom of God is not by just jumping on board with the most popular thing in town. The way we grow the kingdom of God is we see people saved, we see people set free, and God wants to do that through us. And so the early church was advancing rapidly. They had a radical commitment, they were devoted, radical commitment to the Lord and to each other. I think that's where it gets difficult because like a lot of us love the Lord. 
Like, we're in on him. Like, man, I'm all in on you. But my neighbor, you know, you know what I'm saying? That family member, I, I don't know about that. And to, you know, there's a scripture in the Bible that's really annoying. It, it, it says that if you love God, then you'll also love people. In fact, the Bible goes so far to say that the love of God is not in us if we don't love one another. That's, that's, that's like too intense for today. I mean, that's a, that, that, that is convincing that the love of God cannot be in us if that love of God not, does not produce in us a love for one another. And the early church, they were committed not just to the Lord, but they had radical devotion, radical commitment to each other. To love one another, to walk with one another, to encourage one another. Now I want to tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to share something with you today that um, I've never been able to talk about. And this is going to bring breakthrough for me, I think, because I'm going to divulge to you. I'm going to share with you some of my inner pain. And uh, as I share that inner pain, I'm, I'm hoping for some healing for myself. Um, also, it's a good illustration. So uh, years ago, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, I'm from Seattle originally, and uh, so don't hate on me. I'm just staying true to my roots, okay? And uh, I'm in enemy territory. I understand that. Uh, but I love the Seahawks. I do love the Cowboys. They're great. Um, but that's just my, my first love is the Seahawks. And the Seahawks won a Super Bowl, and uh, they went back to the Super Bowl the next year. And uh, we were one play away. Some of you remember this because you watched it. One play, it's, it's hard to talk about, honestly. We, we, we were one play away from winning back-to-back -back Super Bowls. We made an incredible comeback. They're on the one-yard line, have the best running back in the NFL, and we passed, which is fine. I'm into passing. Like, I, I'm, I'm good with that. The only problem is that pass was intercepted, and the game was over. And we lost, and I, I crumpled to the floor of my house, and I began to weep. It's a true story. Pastor Cameron was there. I emptied the house. I, I, it's serious. Like, everyone needed to leave. The guy, guys, it's over. The game's over. You need to leave now. I don't want you seeing me. This is a vulnerable place for me. You need to leave. Turn off the lights. Shut the doors. I will lay here in solace by myself. And, and, and they had lost. And I, and I remember thinking, I was so mad. So angry. This is what I was thinking. Why did we throw? Why did we pass on the one yard line? Now I want you to hear something because this is where it's going to get interesting. This is what my verbiage was. Why did we? I didn't, I didn't throw it. <laughs> I'm not coaching. I'm not playing. I'm a fan. But I was mad. I was mad like I was there. I was brokenhearted like I was on the field. I'm a real fan, just in case you know. Like, I'm, I'm, I hurt when they hurt. I mean, it's just, I celebrate when they rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I mean, that's just, I'm real. I'm committed. And I'm on the floor. I'm thinking, why did we do this? And I want to talk to you about something because when we talk about being all in, I want you to know being all in is not being a good fan. Being all in is not feeling what other people that are doing the actual thing feel. I'm just going to tell you, as a spectator, it is easy, easy to judge what is happening on the field. 
Oh man, it was easy. It's easy still to this day on in my chair. I was watching the preseason game last night, the Cowboys, and I'm there. I'm like, oh man, why'd you pick that play? You should do this one. You shouldn't have taken those guys out so soon. You should give them another series because they're doing well. Give them some reps. That's a rookie. You should give them. What do I know? I've never played. I can't play. I wish I could, but I can't. So instead of participating, I have been relegated to a spectator. So I watch, and I commentate, and I criticize, and I complain what the participators are doing. And I'm afraid that the church of Jesus Christ has shrunk from the place that we were as the early church, full of participants in what God was doing to spectators. And as a spectator, it's so easy to judge the things that God's doing or not doing. It is so easy to judge the things that the church is doing and not doing. Oh, I wish they'd clean up this parking. Oh my gosh, this is a mess. You ever volunteer for the parking team? Because it is, sorry, is that too much on site? I've been gone for a little bit. I plan on giving you both barrels. I'm telling you, if you're going to be in, you got to be in. It's easy to judge something from a distance. It's easy to judge something that you've never done. It's easy to criticize something that you're watching from an elevated point of view from. I'm watching and I'm looking. I'm probably one of the most critical fans. This is the truth. I'm a good fan, but I'm critical because I know enough to be dangerous. You know what I'm saying? That's how a lot of Christians are. They, they know enough to be dangerous. Well, Pastor, I'm pretty sure there's a verse in the Bible that says the Lord works in a mysterious way. Stop. Stop it right now. Well, I heard. Have you ever looked it up for yourself? Because if you just heard someone say it, they might not have said it right. It might not have actually come from the Bible. It might not actually be in those pages. You have to decide at some point if you're going to be a spectator or if you're going to be a participator, and most Christians have decided to be a fan of Jesus, but they've never translated their fandom into following him. They are not true disciples because we clap for Jesus, and we, we have streamers for Jesus, and tam- we got the tambourines out today. I don't know if you saw that. I was, when they told me that in the pre-meeting, I'm like, wait, wait, what, what are we doing? We're going back, we're bringing the tambourines back. I wish they would have given me one, but they didn't. We have so many fans, fans, excited, celebrating, but very few participants. And it's easy to be an armchair quarterback, isn't it? Like to just to decide like, oh, well, yeah, the church should have done this and pastor should have done this. You know, I, I talk to people all the time that are, that are going into ministry and we train people that are going into ministry. And it's so funny to me, the people that have never done any ministry, but they have all kinds of opinions about it. And so they start to share their wisdom with me about what they should do and what we should do and what I should do and how I should preach and how I should lead the church and all of these things. And and we talk about it. And then they start their ministry. And then it goes quiet. And I'll call them up and be like, hey, how you doing, man? It's like, we're good. No, how's the church? Oh, it's great. 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 No problem at all here. Revival happening. Haven't you seen on social media? Like, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like, like, really, how are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm great. Because now they're experiencing and have understanding for something they never understood before. Participation produces understanding. When you're in on something, you begin to understand it. If you watch from a distance or you watch from an elevated point of view, if you're just a fan, you'll never understand the inner workings. 
That's why you can, you can get to know someone through social media and not really know who they are. Has that ever happened to you? Unfortunately, that happened to me. I've got a good friend, and, and he's a good friend now. He wasn't a good friend then. I, I just kind of knew him through social media, and I'm like, this guy's a joker. I mean, he's just like all up in my business all the time, message me all the time, text me all the time. Hey, can we get coffee? Hey, can we get lunch? And I'm like, bro, you got to like turn this thing down. Like, this is intense. And I remember I was going to meet my, I told Jamie, I'm like, this guy, like, I'm, I don't know about this dude. He, he's just this one-time coffee, and then like, hopefully I'll just unfollow and block him forever. And, and we went to coffee. We started talking about the Lord, and we started talking about ministry. And I'm like, this guy's, this guy's all right. This guy, he's become one of my great friends. He's a real deal, but I allowed what I saw from a distance to keep me from engaging in true relationship, and that's where most Christians are. We watch from a distance, and then we try to decide if we're going to actually be in or not, and I want you to know there are some, there are some really key points and key strategies if you're going to be in. And I want to share something with you. The, the Seattle Seahawks, they coined a, a phrase, and a lot of other teams do it in their locker room, and they have these I'm in signs. These signs go like above the locker room doors on the way out to the field. And, and so we got some for you in here and all the campuses. They have them above the doors because by the time you leave today, I'm hoping that somebody's going to reach up and hit that sign and decide I'm going to be in on what God is doing. And every time the Seattle Seahawks or whatever team they have, they run out of the tunnel. They hit that sign, declare, it's a prophetic sign, that I'm in on where I'm going. Now, this is interesting because most people in the church world, they would think that you would need to put those signs on the outside. Because we think that the, the, the majority of the Christian life is lived right here. But that's the wrong spot for the I'm in signs. The right location for the I'm in sign is on our way out. This is a meeting place. This is a rally. This is fun. This is great. But the mission field is not here. The mission field is in your home. The mission field is in your workplace. The mission field is as you go. And we've got to make a decision as a body, as a church, are we going to be participators or are we going to be spectators? Are we going to watch what God's doing or are we going to be a part of it? And I want you to know God called you to be a change agent. God called you to carry the presence of God. Wherever you go, that place should change. When you walk into your home, the atmosphere should change. When you walk on your job, the atmosphere should change. When you walk into the church, the atmosphere should change. Because wherever you are, you carry the presence of God. But we got too many people that watch and never participate. To be in, let me give you a couple things. To be in, to be all in, will require great commitment. It will require great commitment. Now, if I was really trying to get you to be all in, I wouldn't tell you that. Because that's like not the, nobody wants to hear that. Like, oh, I can't commit to one more thing. But to be all in, it requires great commitment. I don't know if you've ever had a building project or anything. You know, you've ever built anything, any type of construction. There's two things about construction. Takes longer than you planned on. Costs more than you accounted for. That's just the truth about construction. But if you, it would be foolish of you to start a project and then to stop it because it costs more or took longer. If you, if you start something, you have to have commitment to follow through. And I'm going to tell you this. To be all in, you got to be committed. To be all in, it is going to require a commitment from us. Most people, Vince Lombardi says, most people, I told you I was going to bring football into it. Most people fail not because of a lack of desire, but because of a lack of commitment. 
Do you know why people like being spectators? Because it doesn't require anything of you. It's, it, it's, it's, easier to get hurt, it's easier to get hurt as a participant than it is as a spectator. Although spectators do get injured. It is easier to be offended. It is easier to be... I'm telling you, you've got to realize there is a difference between watching and participating. The second thing is this. To be all in will require a conscious decision. You know, as, as when talking with Christians and, and, and meeting with people, I find this, that people think that they're just going to arrive one day. One day they're just going to be like, be a man of God. They come in and see people worshiping. And they're like, I can't wait till I like worship like that. Man, if I go to Connect class, will I come out like that? If I join a group, will I just be that? Some of you are like, that's why I never went. This. But you don't just become a man of God. You don't just become a woman of God. You have to make a conscious decision that I'm in. It is not a supernatural power that changes your mind and all of a sudden you become righteous or holy. The Bible says train yourself to be godly, which means godliness is not natural. I have to train myself according to the word of God. I have to train myself to be godly. Pat Riley, another great coach and theologian. There are only two options regarding commitment. You're either in or you're out. There's no such thing as life in between. I think for many of us, that's where we live our life, in between. I'm all, I'm, you're in today because you're here. I'm in today, but tomorrow, where will you be? I'm in is more than a Sunday experience. Statistics tell us that people go to church, the normal church attender goes to church one in every six Sundays. Some of y'all got a little excited, like, well, I'm above average. <laughs> that's good. Don't stop yet. Let's, let's keep on. Let's go for perfection. One every six Sundays. Because I'm, I'm in here, and I'm in there, and I'm in over here, and I'm in. But if you're going to be all in, it's going to require commitment, and it's going to require a conscious decision. Now, the last one is this. To be all in will require you to be out on something else. This is a difficult part because oftentimes God becomes an addition to our already busy lives. So yeah, I think, man, it's getting back to school. It's a new season. Got fired up. I'm in. Praise God. I'm going to add this into all of the other things that I'm in on. But if I am not out on some other things, I can never be in on the right things. Being in on him in the kingdom of God. I'm not just talking about church 1132. I'm talking about the capital C church. The church of Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God. If I'm going to be in with him, that is going to require me to be out on something else. What, what, do, what do you need to break up with? That's how I look at it. How do I, what do I need to break up with in order to be in on this? Some of you need to break up with inaction. I'm telling you, social media is the greatest platform for all kinds of good, but it also can be a terrible place for us to hide behind our cowardice. Because we use it as a platform and declare all of the change that should happen in all of the people besides us. We say all of the political parties and all of the opportunities and all of the things that are happening in our world, and we have an opinion about it, and we're quick to put it out there. But let me just ask you a really convicting question. What have you done? What have, it got really quiet in here. What, what, I'll smile when I say it. What have you, what, let me say this, what have we done? If we're in, it's not in just to be a sound. 
It's not in just to echo the problem. We know the problem. We know we have political unrest. We know we have division. We know these things. This is not new. We know the problem. What we need is the answer. What we need is people of God that decide I'm not going to be a spectator any longer. I'm not going to watch the things that God's doing. I'm not going to watch what is happening one more day. I am going to be in on what God is doing. In order to focus and be in. I'll tell you this. The the secret to focus is this. The secret to focus is not more mind power or self-control. It's isolation. Studies tell Tell us that if you really want to focus, then you isolate your focus. The reason you can't focus is because you have so many things going on, and you're trying to multitask your faith, and you can't focus on one thing. So in order to be in on what God is doing, i got to be out on some other things. If you want to focus, get rid of all your distractions. If you want to, if you want to focus, you're trying to write a paper you got an assignment, a project due at work, eliminate all the distractions. Turn off your phone, take away all the things that are in the way so that you can focus on that thing. The key to focus is isolation. Let me give you a scripture in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19 and 21, as we begin to end. It says, in the message translation, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman so I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. I'm out on living my own life. But it's lived by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Isn't that powerful? I'm out on living an egocentric life. I'm out on my business revolving around me. I'm out on everything in my life, including my faith, being about me, what I can do, what's done for me, how I like it, how I want it. I'm done with it. And I'm all in, God. I'm all in on this new life. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. What's the new life? Acts chapter 17, verse 27. It's an interesting scripture that I think depicts to us what it means or maybe what our action plan is right now to be all in. You know, you you can only be a spectator so long when you were meant to participate in the great things that God's doing. I don't know if any of you saw in the Cowboy preseason game last night, Jason Witten had his first game, the tight end, had his first game back. He'd retired in 2017 at the end of the season, retired, and he became a commentator for Monday Night Football. So he would be up in the booth watching, had a great view, and would commentate, well, this guy graduated from Ohio State, great quarterback, has some great upside, third and 11, all of these things. But he realized that he wasn't satisfied commentating. He wasn't satisfied being a spectator because he still had something in him. God was still calling him, calling you. I don't know if it was specifically God's call. He had a desire to play. 
I've always appreciated Meyer, Jason Witten, and he played last night in his first catch. You could just tell he was like elated. He had played 15 seasons, I think 11 different all-star, all-pro seasons as a tight end. He had all kinds of experience. He said he was nervous. He said he was nervous to come back because he'd spent so much time watching that now stepping in, he's like, I, I, was, I was nervous. But he said this, he was in the post-game interview and they were talking back and forth and, and, and after the interview was just kind of winding down, he just said this, I'm just doing what I love. No place I'd rather be. It was like he was muttering to himself. He's like, just doing what I love. No place I'd rather be. Doing what I, this is what our hope for the kingdom of God would be. That it wouldn't be like, oh, come on kids, let's go to, I'm just doing what I love. There's no place I'd rather be. Better to be a doorkeeper in the house of God than a thousand elsewhere. It's no place I'd rather be. Doing what I love, no place I'd rather be. Doing what I love, no place I'd rather be. In Acts chapter 17, verse 27, Paul, the apostle, he is evangelizing the city. And in the city, they have all kinds of different gods that they're worshiping. All kinds of different gods, and, and they have altars to each of these gods. And to one god, it says this, it says, the altar to the unknown god. They recognized a higher power. They recognized there was someone, something out there that they didn't have a name for. And so they just titled it the unknown god. And they would worship the unknown god. And Paul said this, he says, that which has been unknown to you, I am here to make known. And then he says this, Acts chapter 17, verse 27. He says, God did this so that they would seek him. So that they would seek him. God's looking for people to seek him. And perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. Ooh, that'll speak to somebody right now. If you don't get anything else, get that right now. God is not far from any of us. Now check this out. It says, God did this so that men would seek him. God would never ask you to seek him if he was not planning on being found by you. God would never ask you, hey, seek me. And then, can you imagine playing hide and go seek with your kids? You're like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go hide, see if you can find me. And then you just get in the car and take off. <laughs> Three hours later, they're still frantically searching. Like, God would never do that. The reason he says seek is because he's findable. And then it says this, and reach out to me. Now check this out. If God asks you to reach out to him, that means he has to be within reach. Oh, he, he can't be, if he told me to reach out, he can't be far. Because he wouldn't ask me to reach out for nothing. I'm supposed to seek him because he wants to be found by me. I'm supposed to reach out to him because he's within my grasp. And find him. Find him, seek him, reach out to him, and find. How do you get in? How do you decide I'm in? This is how you start. I don't know what the plan is. I don't know what the assignment is. I don't know what my life is going to look like. I'm just deciding I'm in on whatever you're in on, God. So I'm going to seek you, and you're going to be found. I'm going to reach to you. You're within my grasp, and I'm going to find you. Well, what happens if I seek and I reach, but I do not find? He promised that he would be found, so you seek and you reach again. And you keep on seeking and you keep on reaching until you find. And then you do it again. And that becomes the cycle of your life, that you're going to seek God. You're going to reach to God. You're going to find God and repeat. And I'm going to seek God. I'm going to reach out to God. I'm going to find him. 
and I'm going to repeat. I'm going to over and that is the cycle of your life. That I would seek him and find him and reach out to him. What God's doing in our nation, what God's doing in the DFW area is he's looking for churches. He's looking for believers that are so discontented with watching that they finally decided I'm coming out of retirement. Some of you are like Jason Witten in the commentator box and you've been commentating on Christianity and I'm telling you, you're not that good at it. Your commentary is not needed. It's not appreciated. We need your ability. We need your skills. We need your anointing. We need your gifting. We need you on the field you are not called to watch you are called to play you are called to succeed you are called to make a difference you're called to be a, a change agent that's what God's doing that's what God's doing I'm in I don't know about y'all, I'm in. I'm in on what God's doing. I'm out on everything else. I'm out on distraction. I'm breaking up with inaction. I break up with fear. I break up with compromise. I break up with sin. I break up with silence. I'm in. Thanks for listening to the Church 1132 broadcast. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com.